Concept 32.4, Hormonal Circuits Link Kidney Function, Water Balance, and Blood Pressure. The nephrons of the mammalian kidney are highly specialized for processing filtrate. As you read how tubules, capillaries, and the surrounding tissue work together, note the close relationship between structure and function. Hormones and feedback circuits are the key to managing complete osmo to managing the complex osmoregulatory activities of the kidney. The porous capillaries and specialized cells of Bowman's capsule are permeable to water and small solutes, but not to blood cells or large molecules such as plasma proteins. Consequently, the filtrate produced in the capsule contains salts, glucose, amino acids, vitamins, nitrogenous wastes, and other small molecules. Because such molecules pass freely, pass freely between glomerular capillaries in Bowman's capsule, the concentrations of these substances in the initial filtrate are the same as those in blood plasma. From blood filtrate to urine, a closer look. In this section, we will follow the filtrate along its path in the nephron and the collecting duct, examining how each region contributes to the stepwise process of filtrate into urine. Each circled number refers to the processing in a particular region, as illustrated in figure 32.20. Proximal tubule. Reabsorption in the proximal tubule is critical for the recapture of ions, water, and valuable nutrients from the huge volume of initial filtrate. NiCl, salt, in the filtrate enters the cells in the sodium epithelium by facilitated diffusion and co-transport mechanisms. See figures 5.13 and 5.17. There, Na plus is actively transported into the interstitial fluid. This, po this transfer of positive charge out of the tubule drives the passive transport of Cl minus. The salt moves from the filtrate to the intestinal fluid. Water follows by osmosis. The salt and water then diffuse from the interstitial fluid into the tubular capillaries, glucose, amino acids, potassium ions, K+, and other essential substances are also actively or passively transported from the filtrate by the interstitial fluid, and then into the paratubular capillaries. In contrast, some toxic materials, such as drugs and toxins, that have been processed in the liver, are actively secreted into filtrate by the transport epithelium. Descending limb of the loop of Henle. Reabsorption of water continues as the filtrate moves into the descending limb of the loop of Henle. Here, numerous water channels formed by aquaporin proteins make the transport epithelium freely permeable to water. In contrast, there is almost no channels for salt and other small solutes, resulting in very low permeability for these substances. For water to move out of the tubule by osmosis, the interstitial fluid bathing the tubule must be hyperosmotic to the filtrate. This condition is met along the entire length of the descending limb because of the osmolarity of the intestinal fluid. Because the osmolarity of the intestinal fluid increases progressively from the outer cortex to the inner membrane, medulla of the kidney. 
Consequently, the filtrate loses water and increases in solute concentration all along its, all along its journey down the descending limb. 3. Ascending limb of the loop of Henle. The filtrate reaches the tip of the loop and then returns to the cortex within the ascending limb. Unlike the descending limb, the ascending limb has a transport epithelium that lacks water channels. As a result, in this region, the epithelial membrane that faces the filtrate is impermeable to water. The ascending loop has two specialized regions, a, twin se a thin segment near the loop tip and a thick segment adjacent to the adjacent to the distal tubule. As filtrate ascends in the thin segment, NaCl, which became concentrated in the descending limb, diffuses out of the permeable tubule, tubule into the intestinal fluid. This movement of NaCl out of the tubule helps maintain the osmolarity of the interstitial fluid in the medulla. In the thick segment of the ascending limb, the movement of NaCl out of the filtrate continues. Here, however, the epithelium actively transports NaCl into the intestinal fluid. As a result of losing salt, but not water, the filtrate becomes progressively more dilute as it moves up to the cortex in the ascending limb of the loop. Number 4. Distal tubule. The distal tubule plays a key role in regulating the K-plus in NaCl concentrations of the body fluids. This regulation involves variation in the amount of K-plus secreted into the filtrate, as well as the amount of NaCl reabsorbed from the filtrate. Like the proximal tubule, the distal tubule contributes to pH regulation by the controlled secretion of H-plus and reabsorption of HCO3. Number 5. Collecting duct. The collecting duct carries the filtrate through the medulla to the renal pelvis. See figure 32.19. Final processing of the filtrate by the transport epithelium of the collecting duct forms the urine. Under normal conditions, approximately 1,600 liters of blood flows through a pair of human kidneys each day. Processing this enormous traffic of blood by the nephrons and collecting ducts yields about 180 liters of initial filtrate. Of this, about 99% of the water and nearly all the sugars, amino acids, vitamins, and other organic nutrients are reabsorbed into the blood, leaving, about, leaving only about 1.5 liters of urine to be transported to the bladder. As filtrate passes, um, as filtrate passes through the transport epithelium of the collecting duct, regulation of permeability and transport across the epithelium determines the, the extent to which the urine becomes concentrated. When the kidneys are conserving water, aquaporin channels in the collecting duct allow water mo molecules to cross the epithelium. The filtrate becomes increasingly concentrated, losing more and more water by osmosis to the hyperosmotic interstitial fluid. In the inner medulla, the duct becomes permeable to urea. Because of the high urea concentration in the filtrate at this point, some urea diffuses out of the duct and into the interstitial fluids. The net result is urine that is hyperosmotic to the general body of fluids. When maintaining salt and water balance requires the production of dilute rather than concentrated urine, the kidney actively absorbs salt 
plants without allowing water to follow by osmosis. In these times, the epithelium lacks water channels and NaCl is actively absorbed at a filtrate. As we will see, the state of collecting duct epithelium is is controlled by hormones that together maintain homeostasis of osmolarity, blood pressure, and blood volume, concentrating urine in the mammalian kidney. The mammalian's kidney ability to conserve water is a key terrestrial adaption. In humans, the osmolarity of blood is about 300 moSm by L, but the kidney can excrete urine up to four times as concentrated. To better understand the physiology of the mammalian kidney as a water-conserving organ, Let's retrace the flow of filtrate through the excretory tubule. This time, let's focus on how the juxtamedullar nephrons maintain an osmolarity gradient in the tissues that surround the loop of Henle and how they use that and how they use that gradient to excrete a hyperosmotic urine. Figure 32.21. Filtrate passing from Bowman's capsule to the proximal tubule is about the same osmolarity as blood. A large amount of water and salt is reabsorbed from filtrate as it flows through the proximal tubule and the renal cortex. As a result, the filtrate's volume decreases substantially, but its osmolarity remains about the same. As the filtrate flows from cortex to medulla in the descending, loop of the he- in the descending limb of the loop of Henley, Water leaves the tubule by osmosis. Solutes, including NaCl, become more concentrated, increasing the osmolarity of the filtrate. The highest osmolarity, about 1,200 mOSm per L, occurs at the elbow of the loop of Henle. This maximizes the diffusion of salt out of the tubule as as the filtration rounds the curve and enters the ascending limb. NaCl diffusing. This maximizes the diffusion of salt out of the tubule as the filtrate rounds the curve and enters the assembling limb, which is permeable to salt but not water. NaCl diffusing from the ascending limb helps maintain a high osmolarity in the interstitial fluid of the renal medulla. The loop of Henle and its surrounding capillaries act as a type of countercurrent system to generate the steep osmotic gradient between the medulla and the cortex. Recall that some endotherms have a countercurrent heat exchanger, which reduces heat, heat loss, see figure 32.7. In this system, there is passive movement along heat gradient. In contrast, the countercurrent system of the loop of Henle involves active transport and thus an expenditure of energy. The active transport of NaCl from the filtrate in the upper part of the ascending limb of the loop maintains a high salt concentration in the interior of the kidney, enabling the kidney to form concentrated urine. Such a system, which expends energy to create a concentration gradient, is called a countercurrent multiplier system. As a result of active transport of NaCl out of the thick segment of the ascending limb, the filtrate is actually hypoosmotic to bodily fluids by the time it reaches the distal tubule. Next, the filtrate descends again towards the medulla, this time in the collecting duct, which is permeable to water, but not salt. Therefore, osmosis extracts water from the filtrate as it passes from the cortex to medulla. 
con concentrating salt, urea, and other solutes in the filtrate. When the human kidney concentrates urine maximally, the urine reaches an osmolarity of 1,200 mosml. Some mammals can do even better. Australian hopping mice, small, small marsupials that live in the dry desert regions, can produce urine with an osmolarity of 9,300 mosm per L, 25 times as concentrated as the animal's blood. Adaptions to the vertebrate kidney, adaptions of the vertebrate kidney to diverse environments. Vertebrates occupy habitats ranging from rainforests to deserts, and from some of the saltiest bodies of water to the nearly pure waters of, mountain, of high mountain lakes. Variations in nephron structure and function equip the kidneys differently. Equip the kidneys of different vertebrates for osmoregulation in their various habitats. These adaptions are made apparent by comparing species that inhabit a range of environments, or by comparing the responses of different vertebrates to similar conditions. Mammals that excrete the most hyperosmotic urine, such as hopping mice, kangaroo rats, and other desert mammals, have loops of henley that, that extend deep into the medulla. Long loops maintain steep osmotic gradients in the kidney, resulting in urine becoming very concentrated as it passes from the cortex to medulla in the collecting ducts. Birds have loops of henle that extend less far into the medulla than those of mammals. Thus, bird kidneys cannot concentrate urine to the high osmolarities achieved by, mammal by mammalian kidneys. Although birds can produce hyperosmotic urine, their main water concentration adaption is excreting their nitrogenous waste in the form of uric acid. In mammals, both the volume and osmolarity of urine are adjusted according to an animal's water and salt balance. In situations of high salt intake and low water availability, a mammal ex can excrete small volumes of hyperosmotic urine with minimal water loss. If sugar is scarce and fluid intake is high, the kidney can instead produce large volumes of hypoosmotic urine, getting rid of the excess water with a little salt loss. At such times, the urine can be as dilute as 70 mosm per L. The vampire bat, shown in figure 32.22, illustrates the versatility of mammalian kidneys. This species feeds at night on the blood of large birds and mammals. The bat uses its sharp teeth to make a small incision in the prey's skin and then laps up blood from the wound. The prey animal is typically not seriously harmed. Anticoagulants in the bat's saliva prevent the blood from clotting. Because a vampire bat may fly long, distance to, long distances to locate a suitable victim, when, pa when it does find prey, it benefits, it benefits from consuming as much blood as possible, often more than half its body mass. By itself, this blood intake would make the bat too heavy to fly. As the bat feeds, however, its kidneys enable to excrete large volumes of dilute urine, up to 24% of body mass per hour. Having lost enough weight to take off, the bat can fly back to its roost in a cave hollow, or in a cave or hollow tree, where it spends the day. In the roost, the vampire bat faces a different regulatory problem. Most of the nutrition it derives from blood comes in the form of protein. Digesting protein in generates large quantities of urea, but roosting 
bats lacked lack access to the drinking water necessary to dilute it. Instead, their kidneys shift up shift to producing small quantities of highly concentrated urine, up to 4,600 MOSM per L, an adjustment that disposes of the urea load while conserving as much water as possible. The bat's ability to alternate rapidly between large amounts of dilute urine and small amounts of very hyperosmotic urine is an essential part of its adaption to its unusual food source. Homeostatic Regulation of the Kidney a combination of nervous and hormonal inputs regulates the ho- osmoregulatory function of the mammalian kidney. Though their effect on the amount and osmolarity of urine, these inputs contribute a homeostasis for both blood pressure and blood volume. Antidiuretic hormone. One key hormone in the regulatory circuitry of the kidney is antidiuretic hormone, ADH also called vasopressin, figure 32.23. Osmoreceptor cells in the hypothalamus monitor the osmolarity of blood and regulate release of ADH from the posterior pituitary. ADH binds to receptor molecules on epithelial cells in the collecting duct, leading to a temporary increase in the number of aquaporin proteins in the plasma membrane. Because aquaporin proteins form water channels, the net effect is an increased permeability of the epithelium to water. To see how the response to ADH in the kidney contributes to osmoregulations, let's consider first what what occurs whenever blood osmolarity rises, such as after eating salty food or losing water through sweating. When osmolarity rises above the set point, 300 MOSM per L, ADH release into the bloodstream is increased. The collecting duct's permeability to water rises, resulting in water reabsorption, which concentrates urine, reducing reduces urine volume, and lowers blood osmolarity back to the back towards the set point. Only the gate of additional water in food or drink can fully restore osmolarity to 300 MOSM per L. As the osmolarity of the blood falls, a negative feedback mechanism reduces the activity of osmoreceptor cells in the hypothalamus, and ADH secretion is reduced. What happens if instead of ingesting salt or sweating profusely, you drink a large amount of water? The resulting reduction in blood osmolarity below the set point causes a drop in ADH secretion to very to a very low level. The number of aquaporin molecules, the number of aquaporin channels decreases, lowering permeability of the collecting ducts. Water reabsorption is reduced, resulting in discharge of large volumes of dilute urine. A high level of urine production is called diuresis. ADH opposes this state and is therefore called antidiuretic hormone. The renin antigyotensin adulterone system. A secondary regulatory mechanism acting on the kidney is the renin angiotensin aldolterone system, 
RAAS. The RAAS involves the juxtangulomerular apparatus, JGA, a specialized tissue consisting of cells of and around the afferent arteriole, which supplies blood to the glomerulus. Figure 32.24. When blood pressure of blood or blood volume in the different arterial drops, for instance, as a result of dehydration, the JGA re releases the enzyme renin. Renin initiates a sequence of chemical reactions that cleave a plasma protein called angiotensinogen, ultimately yielding a peptide called angiotensin 2. Functioning as a hormone, angiotensin 2 triggers vasoconstriction, increasing blood pressure and decreasing blood flow to capillaries in the kidney and elsewhere. Angiotensin 2 also stimulates the adrenal glands to, to release a hormone called aldotesterone. This hormone acts as the nephron's distal tubules and collecting ducts, making them reabsorb more NAD more Na plus than in water, thus becoming blood volume and pressure. Because angiotensin II acts in several ways that increase blood pressure, drugs that block angiotensin II products are used are widely used to treat hypertension, chronic high blood pressure. Many of these drugs are specific inhibitors of angiotensin converting enzyme, ACE, which catalyzes one of the steps of the production of angiotensin II. The renin-angiotensin-aldotesterone system operates as a feedback circuit. A drop in blood pressure and blood volume triggers renin release. The resulting production of angiotensin II and release of aldotesterone cause a, a rise in blood pressure and volume, reducing the release of renin from the JGA. Coordination of ADH and RAAS activity. The functions of ADH and RAAS may seem to be redundant, but this is not the case. Both increase water reabsorption to the kidneys, but they counter different osmoregulatory problems. The release of ADH is a response to an increase in blood osmolarity, as when the body is dehydrated from excessive water loss or inadequate water intake. However, an excessive loss of both salt and body fluids caused, for example, by a major wound or severe diarrhea, will reduce blood volume without increasing osmolarity. This will not affect ADH release, but the RAAS will respond to the drop in blood volume and pressure by increasing water and NAD plus and NAD and Na plus reabsorption. Thus, ADH and RAAS are partners in homeostasis. ADH alone would lower blood Na plus concentration by stimulating water reabsorption in the kidney, but the RAAS helps maintain the osmolarity of body fluids at the set point by stimulating Na plus reabsorption. In all animals, certain of the intricate physiology machines we call organs work continuously in maintaining solute and water balance and excreting nitrogenous wastes. The details that we have reviewed in this chapter only hint at the great complexity of neural and hormonal mechanisms involved in regulating these homeostatic processes.